Well, the passage that I'll speak to today is in Mark chapter 1. You may want to follow along. I'll try to follow it fairly closely. Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. We're kind of continuing in our look at uh, the first chapter of, of Mark. So I invite you to listen for this, which is God's word to us. Now they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. And the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not like the scribes. Just then, a man in their synagogue who had was possessed by an evil spirit, cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. And the evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. And the people were all so amazed. They asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to evil spirits, and they obey him. And news about him, Jesus, spread quickly over the whole region of the Galilee. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations that rest in our hearts be pleasing to you and cause us growth in faith, in thy name. Amen. You know, sometimes you just never tire of telling the same old stories, especially if you're in a group of like-minded or similarly focused people. You can tell the same stories over and over again and not get tired. I, you've heard me boast or whatever about this a lot, and I'm going to do it again today, but talk about running. So much of my sermons are written when I'm running, so you're subjected to that. So every Saturday morning, we get together at a, little, at a local donut shop, and uh, the runners do, and we go out and run together, and we come back and do the really important stuff, and that's eat donuts and drink coffee, and talk about our stories. And so we'll sit there for an hour or more and tell the stories that we just never get tired of. So one, can I tell you a story? We've told this story hundreds of times. So a friend of ours, I won't mention because that would be rude, but um, John went to a race. <laughs> We had some folks here, and, uh, and it was a hot day. It was hot. I mean, I'm not exaggerating. It was a brutally hot day. It was humid, and we were running a six-mile race, a 10K. And uh, our friend wasn't feeling very good to start the race. And so uh, the race starts, and, and he's feeling worse and worse, and it's hot, and we're uh, sweating, and, and our friend is dehydrating, and he gets close to the end of the race. So it's a, a six-mile race, 10K. Gets close to the end. And he, he drops, he passes out. He just, now we don't know this because we're in the race, but that's what happened. We hear later, we're like, where's John? I mean, where's our friend? <laughs> so we, we hear afterwards that what happened is that he passed out. He sat on the side of the road, clunk, he went over. And when he kind of pulled himself together and went to stand up, a cop was standing over him. And the cop said, if you get up, I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> True story. <laughs> we tell that over and over again. <laughs> And by the way, to finish the story, uh, the cop actually helped John up and walked with him to the end of the race. 
And we just never get tired of telling that story because those kind of stories kind of bind you together and they create fellowship and all kinds of... And so, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we don't tire of telling this story. God created... Before there was a beginning, there was God, there was the original mover, there was the primary mover of everything that happened out of nothing. I mean, reason tells us that out of some place it had to start. And God, out of nothing, created all the starry universe in his imagination, through the word, through his creative hand. All that is was created. And then God created us. And there was a time that everything was just right. We walked with God and we walked with each other and there was no shame and nobody was hiding anything. It was just lovely, but we have a way of ruining that which is lovely. We do. And so, and so we went to a place where we should not have gone to. We ate the fruit that we should not have eaten and, and we had to leave this lovely place. And it seems that the further we went from this lovely place, the harder time we had to communicate with each other. And everything just became babble. Nations weren't talking to each other, and people were not understanding each other. And it, it wasn't just nations. It was age groups. Oh, I just don't understand those kids anymore. It was gender. I still don't get... Can I say that? Well, it's true. I mean, women and men and boys and girls, and nobody understands each other. And, and, and we got so far away, and we had so much trouble understanding each other. It was all just a bunch of babble. And then we became enslaved in our own stuff, in our own Egypt. And that enslavement was so, so severe that we couldn't extricate ourselves from it. We couldn't just pull ourselves up from our own bootstraps. We, had, we needed a savior. We needed somebody to come in and rescue us. And so God sent a savior, Moses. And and through the authority of Moses, the people were liberated, and we went into this wilderness that was wonderful. It was a whole new start, but we didn't know how to organize ourselves. So God gave us the commandments, the Ten Commandments, and then God said, there will be one who is coming who will be a savior, like Moses, but better, who will tell you everything that you need to know, a Messiah, an anointed one, the savior, Jesus, our story. And so Jesus came to the synagogue, and he started preaching, and the people were amazed because he spoke with one who had authority because what Jesus said perfectly fit into their story. In fact, Jesus was the culmination of that story, and it was amazing. It was amazing to listen to him because of the authority that he had. Let's think about that word authority. Just think about the word itself. A person who speaks with authority, a person who has authority, is a person that speaks with confidence. But listen to the word. It's, it's more than simply confidence, because a person who simply thinks they have a confidence with no authorization is just arrogance. But the person who has authority, listen to the words, has been authorized. Jesus is the authorized one. The word authorized has the same uh, implication as the word ambassador. That's the word Paul, St. Paul likes to use so often. We are ambassadors. An ambassador, for example, in, in uh, the political realm, 
an ambassador from one nation speaks with the authority of that nation. So our ambassador, our ambassador, the United States ambassador to Great Britain, speaks with the authority of the United States government. We are ambassadors for Christ. Christ is the ambassador. So the one who speaks with authority, Jesus, and it was amazing. He spoke because he was authorized because he himself was the author. He was the one who was in the beginning. Without him, nothing was made that was made, and all things that were created were created through him. So the author was the one who had authority, and it was amazing. Now, those who study things like authority, those who study group dynamics and such, tell us that there are two kinds of authority. The first kind of authority is designated authority. A person with designated authority is a person that the community itself has authorized. Police officers have designated authority. Scribes and Pharisees had designated authority. There are those who have authority simply because of the position they hold. Can I move on this a little bit? This is, this is. I think we're losing that power of giving respect to people who have designated authority simply because they have that designated authority. Do you remember back in the day when we used to teach children? I'll finish that sentence, but maybe I should stop there. Do you remember in the day when we used to tell the children that they should respect their elders. Do you remember that? that was, uh, respect their elders. Why? Because they're old. That's it. Period. It's the same, by the way, as good old number five of the Ten Commandments. Respect your father and mother. Why? Because they're your father and mother. Period. That's it. But I want to suggest that we have replaced that, respecting people in designated authority, we have replaced that, that we respect our elders with a new phrase, and that is, you need to earn my respect. You, can you see where that's going? That means we're walking around trying to figure out who has earned my respect. Uh, do, you ever, do you listen to talk radio? Can I pick on that just a little bit? Or television? Listen to how many times the word idiot and moron are used in reference to people who have designated authority. What are we teaching our children? And I want to suggest that if we can't respect people just because of they, who they are, then we'll never be amazed at people because we're trying so hard to figure out who has earned my respect, that there's no more amazement. By the way, in youth club, we have the number one rule. Anybody who's anything to do with youth club, what's the number one rule of youth club? Everyone is to treat everyone else as a child of God. In other words, everybody gets respected, period. You don't have to walk around trying to figure out who earns my respect. Everybody. And when everybody gets respect, just because they are, I think we're op more open to being amazed at what people might do. So... Jesus, who, by the way, had designated authority, but at this point it was hidden. I wonder how many other people are like that. Jesus was the Christ, was the Messiah, hidden at this point, but he was respected simply because, and people were amazed. The first kind of authority that people have is designated authority. The second kind of authority that people can have is personal authority. 
personal authority is that kind of confidence that we have because we have been authorized, but I think there's more to it. Jesus spoke with that kind of confidence because he had been authorized, but he also could connect with people. He understood that people were hurting because he had hurt. He understood what it was like to be tempted because he himself was tempted. He understood what it was like to be accused unfairly because he was accused unfairly, and therefore he had compassion and kindness and tenderness. And so he spoke with authority, and he connected with people, and the people were amazed. It was amazing the kind of authority that he had. The people were amazed. But can I suggest being amazed is not enough? For example, if you look at this story fairly closely, the demons were amazed. But they were amazed out of sense of fear because the demons rightly saw who he was. I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. You have come to destroy us, right? And Jesus was like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, and so they were amazed out of a sense of fear. The scribes, they were amazed, but they were amazed out of a sense of envy or jealousy. Who is this guy? Who is this carpenter's kid who comes here and teaches on my turf? So they were amazed out of a sense of jealousy. The people were amazed, but can I suggest that doesn't get you very far? I mean, you might be amazed and, wow, Jesus is really amazing. What's for dinner? Uh, you know, what, what is for dinner, by the way? Are we having, like, macaroni and cheese? I love macaroni. Do you guys like macaroni and cheese? Not just the kind that you have on the stovetop. I mean real macaroni and cheese. When you put it in a pot, and you put it in the oven, and you bake it a little bit, and you put, like, breadcrumbs or corn flour or, uh, like, corn, or potato chips, when you squish up the potato chips and put it in, and you bake it for a while, and get, you know what I'm saying? Which is, by the way, part of my point. You're thinking more about macaroni and cheese now, aren't you? <laughs> Which is manipulative, but the focus is on the Messiah amazing. But we need more than simply to be amazed. And I want to suggest if we're going to grow in faith, if we're going to grow in our witness, if we're going to grow in spirit, if we're going to grow as disciples and followers of Jesus Christ, we need to be more than simply amazed. A lot of people are amazed and go home and nothing happens. We need to have a kind of dedication, a determination to follow Christ. And I want to suggest this is the order, and there's no acronym here. I tried to make one, but whew. we need to be amazed. But more than that, we need to be inspired. We need to look at Jesus and be inspired by who he was. By the way, I told that story about our friend, who I won't name, J.D., who, who passed out and came up again and then finished the race. you know how tough you have to be to run six miles when you're feeling crummy? Do you know how tough you have to be to stand up after running five and a half miles and passing out and finishing the race in any kind of shape at all, you got to be tough. And this race is tough. This life is hard. And sometimes we get beat up and pushed down and accused and all kinds of things. We need some inspiration. Christ was raised, and he will give us that strength. We need to be amazed. We need to be inspired by one who is stronger than we are. We need to become not only inspired, we need to become disciples. We need to sit at the feet of the Master, sit at the feet of Jesus, and hear what he has to teach us about prayer, about the kingdom of God, 
about faith, about self-surrender, about following. We need to listen to what he says, and more than that, we need to be amazed and inspired. We need to become disciples. We are ambassadors. We are those who are authorized, sent out into the world to tell the world the good news. So many years ago, I heard an illustration from a a really great preacher, and I've held on to this, and I pull it out every once in a while because it works. It's just so true. That you might go to the sixth grade orchestra and hear the sixth grade elementary school orchestra play Beethoven's Ninth. And the clarinets will be squealing, and the violins will be out of tune, and there'll be notes flying around that don't belong there. And it won't be nearly as tidy as, let's say, the Rochester Philharmonic, but you will have heard Beethoven's Ninth. You will have heard the story. And maybe it won't be as clean or as tidy or professional, but you will have heard the story. You will have heard that music. We are Christ's ambassadors. And maybe we are not all tidied up and clean, but we are the ones who have been authorized to tell the good news. And I want to suggest that as we are amazed at the person of Jesus, and as we are inspired by his toughness, and as we are disciples of all he says, and as we receive that call, we will move from amazing to amazing, to being amazed, to being even more amazed, as we follow in the footsteps of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, you have called us, as frail and broken as we are. We are amazed that you have spoken to us, inspired by who you are. And now we bow down before you, so that with hearts open, we might receive your spirit for the first time again, so that our lives might be more true to you, the calling you have laid upon us. We give you thanks in Jesus' name.